The views on a breath of fresh air podcast reflects the parties involved, and we encourage you all to use it as a conversational tool that will lead to personal studies of your own. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Welcome to a breath of fresh air podcast. Here with your hosts, Earl Roberts and Nakaz Gay. As a young person, Christianity can be so foggy, like smoke in the mirrors and so unclear. But we're here to bring you a breath of fresh air. Armor bearer. Psst. Armor bearer. It's me, Jonathan. Come. Let us go to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But we won't tell my father, King Saul, about this. Come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all you have in mind. Go ahead. I am with you heart and soul. Let's go. Careful, it's pretty steep on both sides. But here's the plan. We will cross over toward them and let them see us. Then, if they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up. Because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. Look! The Hebrews are finally crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. Come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. All right, Alma Bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. The Israelite army, headed by King Saul, now finds themselves in a battle with the Philistines. However, this battle has an unlikely hero and an interesting turn of events. This week we are focusing on 1 Samuel chapter 14. As always, be blessed and enjoy. Alright, welcome back to another episode of A Breath of Fresh Air podcast. We really appreciate everyone who tunes in each and every week. And for our brand new listeners, welcome. Hopefully you guys are blessed and enjoy. Um, so this week we are picking up with the story of Saul again. But before that, you know, we do our the weekly thoughts and something interesting like I saw today on Instagram. But it just like kind of pe- piqued my interest. And I guess we could talk about it a little bit. But it said, be able to discern your Judas from your Peter. Peter had a bad day. Judas had a bad heart. Peter, you can restore. Judas, you can release. And I was like, ooh, wow. Ooh. That's powerful. And, and that's true. It's definitely true. It's definitely true. I mean, like in the power of discernment, man, like no one who's around you and just knowing... I mean, you can't know the state of people's heart, but it's but to me, it's like it comes with discerning who is in your circle, discerning the ones who are actually following God, discerning like you know, 
because again, like, the, like I guess the importance of this, right? What I'm like getting at. Both of these people were, were Jesus's disciples. Je- Judas and Peter were there, seeing Jesus's miracles after day after day, his blessings. Um, in a weird way, Judas actually wanted the kingdom of God to come about, but he just didn't understand. His heart was <laughs> completely in the wrong place. Peter had a bad day because you know he cut off someone's hair. Jesus had to put it back on, denied Jesus three times. But it was really a bad day. <laughs> it was cranky man. He ain't get a lot of sleep that night. <laughs> it was a very long night. <laughs> it was a very long night. But the sermon is so key because it's a, a powerful thing that isn't even related to this. But to me, it's like even discerning when you have, or you have voices that you hear and discerning what is the voice of the spirit and what's the voice of some being that's trying to get you to do wrong. Because it's been and it's been being those moments where you have a decision to make. And if you're quiet, you actually could discern. If you're quiet and no meditating, and even say you got to be like super spiritual about it. But it's like if you you literally could hear the Holy Spirit guiding you and directing you to do things. And people say, Oh, yeah, no, this idea just came to me. It's really, it's really the spirit guiding you and directing your thoughts to do certain things. And that discernment is key. And the sermon is actually going to tie into our episode today, but you got any thoughts on it before we even proceed? Well, Peter fascinates me because Peter, you know, somewhat like Saul, you know, because Peter was impulsive. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you kind of get that from Peter, like Jesus. I see tone modest, bro. I, I can't even imagine what these people tone was like for real. But Jesus would be trying to show Peter, bro. Yeah, this is about to happen. And Peter get excited. Oh, no, you're not about to die. I ain't let nobody kill you or whatever. And what Jesus had to do, get thee behind me, Satan. You, you ruining the moment right now. I try, I try to, I can't try to show you such an important role in the reason why I'm actually here. You know, mm-hmm. you ain't listening. You just reacting. You, you feel me? And so in, in, the, in the spirit of discernment, we might be Peters. We might be quick to talk, quick to react. Our heart might be, quote unquote, in the right place but we are doing the wrong things because we might have deep-rooted selfish ambitions, you know, that we believe that is on behalf of God, but it actually, um, it actually obstructs the, the movement of God, you know? So if, if Peter, Peter was trying to protect Jesus from being killed, but if Jesus didn't get killed or didn't die for our sins, none of us would be saved to go to heaven. You see, you see the conflict there. You would essentially, Peter was essentially working for the devil in that, in that way, if he would have tried to obstruct that, you know? Mm-hmm. And lastly, Jesus last night alive, Jesus was trying to tell Peter, bro, oh, like you my boy, but you about to deny me, you about to deny me three times. And what do he do? He, he deny you not. No, Lord, I, I love you. I'll, I'll die with you. You know, this, this everything Peter's saying, but Peter don't even discern what's happening right now. God in his infinite wisdom is telling you your flaws. Receive that. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like in, in the spirit of discernment, it's, it's, it's a matter of us being able to discern what our rebukes are and the ways that we are, are wrong and the ways that we should improve as it relates to God. And instead of denying that, you know what I'm saying? That we, should, we should also have the discernment to accept that and work towards changing that through Jesus. And what you said right now is just so impactful. Even like with Peter, because when you think about Peter, like you said, like how God showed him his flaws and he was even denying that. Because I'm like, it's so funny that he didn't even realize he was denying Jesus until 
the prophecy essentially was fulfilled. Mm. Because you would think after one time, he might have caught himself. Like, oh, that was one time. Mm, he ain't going to catch me. He wasn't even thinking about it. He was just essentially caught in the moment. It happened a second time. Didn't even catch it. Again, still caught up in the moment of what's happening. I mean, come on, the guy you spent the last like three years was about to get crucified. But again, no one really wants to die. At, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it is what it is. I mean, we can have a whole debate on that later. But, um, and so again, you, you like you scared, you in the middle of this angry, angry crowd. You're like, bro, I ain't trying to die right now. No, nah, I don't know that Jesus. Might even use some more flavorful, colorful language. Depends on, depend on how you want, you know, spice that, spice that sentence up. Mm-hmm. Still didn't catch that. The third time, did it. Then he has the rooster crow, and he's like, oh, snap. Mm-hmm. At that point, he associated the rooster crow with what he just did to back to what Jesus said before. And now you're like, whoa. But again, it still shows like sometimes, like to your point, God reveals things to us that we don't even go, go back to saying, and this is, this is a point you have made repeatedly on this podcast. Like, everyone is saying, oh, I know my heart, I know my heart. No, you really don't. God knows your heart. You think you know your heart, but when times get rough, when your back is against the wall, the true character that you've been developing all this time, that you've been suppressing in the presence of God, actually comes out. And now mm-hmm. you really could see what's on your heart. And now you can see what was on Peter's heart in that moment. A heart of denial, a heart I, yeah, I was outwardly saying I would die for you. But <laughs> now when my back's against the wall, bro, I don't even know you. <laughs> and that's powerful because... It's really powerful. And so, bro, again, go, go go for it. This ain't a pastor episode, bro. But consider this. <laughs> I, I was just saying, you know, some of the stuff you're probably going to repeat next month. Oh, yeah, because yeah, because we're so close. We're so close. We are so close. <laughs> I was just thinking about it. I was like, yo, and oh, not even man. next month. Quite literally, depending on when this episode comes, it's coming out in April. Oh, man. So, yeah, okay. we're going to be talking about this next week, guys. So this is a pretty I only can, <laughs> can say this in the event that I don't remember to bring this up, bro. Imagine you and I, right? These mm-hmm. boys. Regardless of, of what your role is in the in the gospel and the kingdom, some people trying to kill you, bro. I literally about to kill a police, bro, an official for you, right? That's how protective I am for you, right? But then. <laughs> When some random, when you see, when you, when I see what you got going on, what you, the, the cut up that you told me, right? And they ask me, hey, ain't you a Zern boy? I would draw, no, no, I'm my boy, no, I'm my boy, no, I'm my boy. How would you feel, bro? Bro, I'd be betrayed. I would just feel, I, bro, exactly. So it's like, we know Judas betrayed Jesus, but so mm-hmm. did Peter. Like, this the same boy who is just trying to kill for you. This the same boy who keeps saying he would kill for you. He'll die for you. And that's how you are here? Like, and I know Peter felt terrible. You understand what I'm saying? But, but we, but that's, I just want to say, bro, Jesus shows us, bro, how to love. How, mm-hmm. how to love. I know this was about discernment, but Jesus ended up forgiving him. You know, they mm-hmm. end up speaking again. You understand? He ended up having Peter to, he give Peter a special task to feed my lambs. Or I think, I think that's what he said. And like, bro, like to me, to me, that's, that's just, that's just, that's just amazing because like, I feel like the only way we could honestly say we know our heart is if we accept that every inclination of the heart is evil. Mm-hmm. If we don't feel that way about our heart, then we don't know our heart because that's how God describes human beings, you know, and we born in sin. Like, 
it's no one good but God. You understand what I'm saying? And so because of that, we have to understand that we are all susceptible to having quote-unquote bad days in the same way that Peter have bad days. You might be sitting there listening to this and saying, I would have never done what Peter do. But you know who you sound like? Peter. You Peter know. was saying, I'd never do that. You know, you know what I mean? So like, we just have to understand the, the, the web we weave when we are ensnared by sin, when we're not prayed up. And I have more to say, but we can get to that. That episode will come about in like two more weeks. So stay tuned. And if you haven't, check yep. out our previous episode on, you know, the past over the whole crucifixion of Christ. You know, better look at those hidden gems. Pretty good stuff. Good stuff. So yeah, so now um, last week we covered, as my screen disappeared, we covered, uh, I was about to Samuel say Genesis, 1 Samuel <laughs> chapter 13. Um, so we dealt with Saul's unfortunate sacrifice. Um, in that episode, we saw how Saul, I mean, for those who don't know, Saul was the first king of, of Israel. Um, he was anointed because Israel wanted a king. Samuel, who the book that we're currently reading is named after, um, was the was the high priest at the time. He was also the prophet and the judge. And he, people cried out asking for a king. Even though the king was God, God said, you know what, Samuel, this is nothing against you. They're actually rejecting me as the heavenly king. But you know what? Give them a king. And Saul was anointed as the first king. He was ahead above everyone else. Um, and he actually started out pretty good. He actually started out pretty good. And um, but last week, I mean, definitely check out that episode if you haven't. If you listen to this episode, just to get the background, I really encourage you to go back and listen to that episode to see how Saul got to this point. Because Saul, and again, depends on how you look at it, but like in a moment of weakness, in a moment of self-righteousness, decided to sacrifice animals. Well, you know, the animal, they offer a sacrifice to the people. And Saul wasn't a priest, so he had no qualifications or merit in doing so. And he was instructed to wait on Samuel, and it was the day that Samuel was supposed to arrive. And Samuel... Let's just say it was running late, but the day was not over yet. And Saul just said, you know what? The people are scattering away. I'm going to offer this sacrifice. But we see Samuel came immediately after Saul was done and asked him, what have you done? And Saul replied, you know, try to give excuses for this. And Samuel told him, you've done a foolish thing. You did not keep the commandments of the Lord. And if you had, he would establish a kingdom over Israel essentially for like ever. Like, you know, it would have been like normally how we think of kings. Like after the king dies, their son or their heir rules the throne, but God said, this, is, this, this isn't happening for your kingdom. And so now your kingdom will not endure, and the Lord will, you know, seek out someone after his own heart because you have not kept the Lord's command. And so, and then, so now we see that Israel was, was, out, was without weapons. So the people who actually had weapons were Saul and Jonathan, his son. And now the last verse we didn't read, of verse 13 of chapter 13 was, was verse 23. And now we see the task of the Philistines had gone out past Michmash. And so that brings us to chapter 14. So in 1 Samuel 14, we see on, on one day, <laughs> one day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to his uh, young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. I'm gonna keep reading, I'm gonna just point out some, some differences that we see. So he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gebel under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, some, I mean, who was wearing an ephod. So we've seen Ahijah was the, was, was the priest. He was the son of Ichabod, brother of Ahitab, son of Phineas, 
the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. Hmm. I see you have something to say, go for it. I'm going to let you kick it off. Yes. So this time reading this, and I have read this chapter, this chapters 14 and 15 may be the most, the chapters that I've read the most out of the book of Samuel. I may be wrong, but I think it is because I, I just truly love chapter 15 because mm-hmm. it's, it's a very, it's I a very necessary word. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, you, you know what line is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very necessary word, but I was reading this today, pretty tired, long day at work. And I struggling to, to stay awake. And I have to keep, I have to keep starting from, from one. Cause every time I get the job to, to verse four, I, I already, my mind already wondering, mm-hmm. but I get to verse four. To, I get to verse <laughs> four. I get to verse three. And I like, bro, why are we paying so much attention to this priest? Okay, we get it. Just give me the fox, bro. There was mm-hmm. a priest there. Why are you describing what he wearing? You know what I mean? And until I really focused and I was like, and, and then, you know, I'm, I remember you had said, I think your grandmother said, I can't remember which family member that says that everything is in the Bible for a reason. For a reason, yeah. So, so every time I read something that is kind of perplexing to me or something that I feel like, why is this here? I start to think more intuitively, like there's a reason for this. Like, what is the possible reason? And so with that mindset, I'm like, wow, who are they trying to, who are they trying to highlight right now? Mm-hmm. They tried to highlight the line of Eli. Mm-hmm. The book of Samuel started with Eli. Eli was probably the protagonist for like the first or the first two, or maybe not. I guess I guess you could say Hannah or whatever. But anyway, he, he, Eli was a main character, and we we soon found out that his sons were evil. They were doing the work of the Lord. They were all priests. Eli was the high priest, and that resulted in their line being cursed. Right. Wiped out. <laughs> Why completely wiped out? The Lord did not have anyway, the Lord cursed them, and you can read chapter, I think that might have been chapter three or four. Three and four, yeah. But with that being said, I'm like, this is very interesting, and now it piques my interest that um Saul is has near him the son of Eli. I mean, the descendant of Eli, probably the grandson of Eli, as a priest still wearing an ether ephod mm-hmm. and i know that the curse was saying that these people will die in the prime of their life and i believe in that curse and and we've seen it happen already with some of um, eli's descendants and so obviously this would mean that he's not in the prime of his life yet but i'm just like where samuel is and why you got this guy around so that's so that's one thing that kind of that kind of was like a, a seed in my mind like why are we pointing out this priest when we go and we pointing out this whole line who his mm-hmm. mommy, who his daddy is, who his uncle is, right? But not his mommy. Anyway, his daddy and his uncle. But we had Samuel just in the last chapter. So so I just wanted to put a pin there. You, you have anything or not? Yeah, and then like, again, if you go back to Ichabod's name, it means the glory has departed. So even going by like, piggybacking off of Kazi's whole point, we see now you, we look at it. The priest that we know is uh, the top guy, the main priest in this whole book right now the one who is definitely inspired by God, the one who has already recently rebuked, oh my, this is even coming to me, the one who's just recently rebuked Saul. Think about it now. In last chapter, Saul was rebuked by Samuel. So now if you look at this chapter too, it almost makes sense why he didn't even try to call Samuel for this battle. 
Sorry, this just even come to me. So now, so now, but now if you look at the priest who he calls, Ichabod's name means the glorious departed. So now we see, instead of being with a with a priest who is already being like you know, who we know for sure is following and listening to God's word, you get a priest from a family line who God's already done with, but for some reason still carrying out priestly duties. But clearly, the glory has already departed from them. And the glory has already oh. departed from Israel, and you already know your kingdom is going to be taken away from you. So you're like, you know what? In a sense, forget Samuel. Let, let me go with this priest who essentially might, I might have in my back pocket. Like it might, might not even, we know me nothing good was coming from that line. And so and again. That, and okay. that's the point I was going to make. And we have evidence of that. We have evidence of that as, as the story progresses. And so that's already what I'm thinking. I'm like, why this specific, bro, if, if, if you, if you, if you want to do something stupid right now, that's that's what I'm thinking, bro. Right? Just to be completely, just to be completely frank, I'm thinking that Saul has in his intentions to do something stupid or to do something that would not be approved by God or would not be approved by Samuel, and mm-hmm. you can't call Samuel to do that, and you can't call a lot of a lot of priests ain't gonna do that if they real priests and they fear God. You gotta mm-hmm. call a specific person who you know for sure have a history of doing of doing these things, foolishness, right? So. And, and from, from chapter three, I was like, from verse three, I was like, and, and obviously I already was familiar with the story, but I'm like, yes, that makes sense. Why are they pointing out who saw a call in this very moment? This is the priest I want beside me because when I understood this, he right there with me. I'll do us because we on stupidness together. And ain't no one stopping us. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Misery love company. Another thing yep. to point out too is that we see from verse, from verse one to, to three, we already have two instances of it saying that Jonathan did not tell anyone he was going. Do you see in verse one, he said he, he did not tell his father that he was going. And then we see in verse three, they say, but no one was aware Jonathan had left. And these can come into play pretty soon. So now in verse four, we see on each side of the pass that Jonathan entered and intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Boazes and the other was Sina. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash. The other... St- to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. So now look at this, right? We have, we see Saul sitting under a pomegranate tree with his makeshift priest, right? Mm-hmm. Ain't really consulting God or nothing. But we see his son, however old his son might be at this point in time. You know, the jury's still out in that. But <laughs> we have a son who is saying to his armor bearer, let's go. Me and you, let's go. God, it, it, don't, it, it don't matter how much people God need. If God wants to save us, he's going to save us, whether it's just by me or you, or, or we have this whole army. The army clearly ain't doing nothing. So let's go over here and take these Philistines, just me and you. And it shows Jonathan's faith in God. And so we know, like, anyway, we show Jonathan's faith in God. and also shows the armor bearer's faith that, okay, uh-huh. I trust one God, but I also trust Jonathan's leadership to lead me into battle. Because again, if me and you go, I got to be like, well, for sure, I hope Kazi got my back as a heavy girl. <laughs> well, but we, we would have to be on one accord for, me to, for, for, for us to say, it's a battle going on, right? My father is nervous. All of the people was trembling. They was fearful just, just a chapter before. We don't know how much days I went by, but this is in the same time frame. 
everybody's scared. The grown men scared. The people who the king who y'all cry for, he's mm-hmm. hesitant. But me and you going on this mission alone, we like we gotta be on one accord, bro. You understand? Like I can't see nobody saying like like. If you feel like these, if you scared like everybody else, I can't see you going with me. You would try to discourage me. No, no, guys, don't, don't do that, bro. Uh, you ain't gonna follow me. You ain't gonna carry me to my dad, bro. Uh, exactly. I think we can do this. One. You understand? But it would, it, it goes to show that they both had a had a had a sense of faith in God. And um, the armor bearer was young. They, they say it's young armor bearer, and to me that that makes me feel like Jonathan was older. I, I wish I knew how old he was, but anyway, oh, yeah, I say that yeah. last week. I should I should have do some more research, but. Anyway, um, but if Jonathan is aware, see, because that's the thing. Last week, we was arguing awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, Saul should know because he's the king. Bro, Jonathan knows for sure. Jonathan knows of what God has done with many and few. And he realized that the X factor ain't the people. The X factor is the God. God is the, the victory, period. And so where there's many or few, he will save us. You know, and Jonathan of that type of faith, but somehow his old man sitting under the pomegranate tree ain't considered this at all. So, like we know, there's willful ignorance at this point mm-hmm. on Saul's behalf, and that's so powerful too. Because what do I always keep on saying, bro? Like, how could y'all not know the stories? Mm-hmm. And clearly, Jonathan know the stories because I mean, if you say because if you saying by few or many, to me it just brings back this to my head the story of Gideon, like. Mm-hmm. God used 300 men. The original 300. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they go conquer. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, like, clearly Jonathan knew the stories and had faith in the stories. Not More importantly, had faith in God because God is the, God is the thread that, that sews all these stories together. Now with his faith, from the stories he had, his faith in God, the things he's probably seeing God done with his own eyes. He's like, I can speak these words in confidence. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. And that's powerful. That's a bold statement. Nothing. Mm nothing can get in God's way from saving, whether it be by many or by few. Like, that's a powerful statement. And that takes faith to say that too. That's that crazy takes faith, bro. Yes, bro, because you could die. This ain't something like, oh, I have faith that God will pay my tuition or pay my rent or something like that. No, bro, if, if you're wrong, you will be dead. You understand what I said? So... And- that's fate, bro. That's fate, dog. And it's so crazy because, again, he ain't tell nobody. So it ain't like, hey, me and my armor bearer are going to go in there and be a decoy. Y'all sit in ambush and wait. We can give y'all a signal mm-hmm. when it's safe. Ain't none of that. Hey, mm-hmm. me and you, we going. We ain't telling no one. We ain't looking for no personal glory. Just nope. God's bottling this in God's hands. And let me show you how, let me show you how serious these people was, bro. They had to travel on a path with cliffs on both sides. So y'all could die before y'all even get there. This is this is a, a dangerous path to even travel on mm-hmm. to begin with. You know what I mean? Like cliffs on both sides. When I was reading that just now, I was like, it's a little dangerous, bro. If they if one of them to run up on you and just push you, <laughs> what you was can do, bro? Like, you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> so you see Jonathan, uh, okay, being some verse seven. Do all that you have in mind, his alma bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Again, mm-hmm. speaking of Amal Bear's faith, he say, you go away going, and I with you mm-hmm. every step of the way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You ain't got to question my loyalty. You ain't got to question I got your back. I am with you. Jonathan said, come on. And then, what's even more powerful with that too, right? 
Think about what we also read in, in chapter 13. The only people who have swords is Saul and Jonathan. And Jonathan, yeah. I guarantee a war with you. And I ain't got much, buddy. I might have nope. a slingshot. <laughs> he bearing the armor, bro. I, I only holding I only holding your equipment. <laughs> My, quite literally. All right, yeah, so Jonathan, come on then. We'll cross towards them and, 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 and let them see us. If they sit us, wait there until we come to you. We will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. What do you think about that? I'm wondering, I, 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 when stuff like this happened in the Bible, I believe it's, all right, so... With the Ark of the Covenant, when they was when the Philistines was returning the Ark of the Covenant, they make it impossible for the cows to travel back to the Israelite Israelite camps, and they say if this happens, then it is from God. You know, mm-hmm. I trying to I trying to apply that same type of mindset to say that it is very unlikely that these people would wait for me to come to them. You understand what I'm saying? Instead of just killing me. Um, and so if they do something that is unlikely, then I notice this from God because these people ain't like that. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm assuming. But it could, it could be wrong, though. But I feel like they just if that's not the case, if it isn't something where they saying, like, if the unlikely thing happens, like, remember, remember, um, remember Moses, when he was talking to Korah, he was like, yo, if God is on my side, let something new happen. We ain't never see. Let the, let the earth open mm-hmm. and, and, and Korah fall through. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when I see when I see people make declarations like this, they're saying, like, if it's something that is unlikely that is to happen happens, then I know for sure that that's, that's God's sign. But what you think? I think it's them still moving by inspiration of the Holy Spirit and God's guidance. Because I think it's something that we got to start drawing the line between. Sometimes it's like unbelief and the wisdom. So it's like, okay, for Gideon, we know Gideon, the one started to stem from unbelief because God already sent you a, a sign. Mm-hmm. God already told you to go do this. And God already sent you a sign and he sent you another one. You still didn't believe these signs. And I was like, bro, you need to go hard. Like, you need to go get this done. It's like, because like, mm-hmm. so you see Gideon was like unbelief when he keep on asking God for signs. But now in this case, we've seen, okay, Jonathan already moved in faith. He, like, he was already showing his faith in God. But now I guess to see if God was actually leading him to do this. Like, let me mm-hmm. not get too rash. Let me just say, if this test happens, so back to your point with Moses, like if, any, if something strange happens, then we can notice the sign for us to actually go. But if this, if they, if like, if they, what, 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 let me actually read it again. So if they say, you know, you say if, if, go for it. It's basically saying, if they say we can come up to you, we can come down to you, then we're going to stay here. But if they say come up to us, then we'll go up there and we'll know that the Lord um, is with us. Exactly. So we, saying, guess what? we have this, we have this, we have this test now. Cause, cause even, cause even, even, why would it make more sense for us to go up to their camp? Because we know it's almost mm-hmm. like an ambush mission where they could kill us instantly. So they tell us, come up there. They, they obviously have the advantage. Mm-hmm. So again, so they tell us, come up, even if he's just saying, you know what? If they, if they say, come up, God, be ready, moving in faith. If they, tell us, if, if they say this, we know the Holy Spirit could be guiding us and we just could go. If they say, no, stay where you are. That's the Holy Spirit saying, guys, y'all need to go back to camp. And we're going to do this as a united accord with the whole army. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so um where was Person i 11. 11 
So both, both men showed yeah. themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the mm. outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan mm. and his armor bearer climbed. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer. And his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in the area, about half an acre. Oh. So half an acre, just for like comparison, size is like, you know, two regular lots. Yeah. If you get like two regular lots, I guess for US people, this might be, if you get like two regular lots, you probably about like about 0.6 acres. It's my civil engineering drawing <laughs> type things happening. Because a typical acre is probably be like 0.25 acres, 0.3 acres, someplace around there. So, but I'm just saying like, that ain't really that much area, but you already killed about mm. 20 people in this, in this square footage. Hmm. I hope 20 on two. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I see, and I know that trip the Philistines out, bro. I know that trip them out, bro. Because first of all, what a bad to be a dad wish for Jonathan. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh no, this boy on he on something different. He like, oh no, he on a mission, and he's just he is succeeding on the mission. And so I was just watching this show this week. It, it was Middle Ages times, you know, they just going to war and stuff like that. And I heard somebody refer. It was a bottle. And obviously this is fiction. It might be loosely based on a real story, but even the warriors back then were saying the gods are with them. Basically, that's they don't know about Christianity, like being one God and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's like with with that with certain things, bro, where you know it's the heart of God, bro. You know it's the heart of God. And so whether whether God just put confusion all around them 20 men or anything. The fact that the Lord was strengthening um, Jonathan and his armor bearer just to defeat them, I know that was playing with their heads, bro. Like, I know that was defeating them mentally and all, though. Because I just like, bro, 20 or two, bro. Bro, I'm just like, that. that's crazy. Now, obviously, ain't nothing too impossible for, for God. And we see Samson one. A thousand, a thousand men. Yeah, we was making fun of, we was making fun of the nine hundred and ninety nine, under a thousand man. Like, bro, mm-hmm. none of y'all could get away. What you thought could be different, but I feel like it's like such a power move from God. Like, whenever God, whenever God is with the Israelite army, it is clear that it is clear to the enemies that. They ain't just fighting the army. You understand what I'm saying? They're fighting a the God who controls the elements, bro. When you think about the battle of AI, bro. Hornets come around, hail, all type of thing, bro. These things with this half just freaking out and, and scared, mm-hmm. bro. Like, you don't even have the ambition or, like, the you don't even have the um, adrenaline to fight, bro, because you're just scared, you know? And we already see that brewing up from now. Exactly. So. Let me just read an excerpt right here real quick from Patriarchs and Prophets. And she says, like, the angels of heaven shielded Jonathan and his, and his attendant, and the angels fought by their side, and the Philistines fell before them. Hmm. So just even show, like, God was, like, you know, hey, y'all got the most reinforced. Just because of your faith. Like, they say faith moves the mountains. Hmm. We, we had to talk about this earlier, and we, we actually planned to do an episode about faith. But, like, faith is so, like, your faith is so powerful. 
a lot of people just got to understand that like your faith literally can alter like have have the effects in the physical realm anyway and you see how fate how fate impacts others though Mm -hmm. you know so if jonathan didn't have faith jonathan's faith saved lives that's a fact that's a that's a fact save lives of people who probably was bound to die you know mm-hmm. and i'm not just talking about the israelites in in um in Saul's camp it's other israelites who's around here that was not on, on the side of the israelites you understand <laughs> um john <laughs> and um i think about <clears throat> that time when um jesus was supposed to when the disciples were supposed to exercise a man's son what demons the demons used to throw him in the fire mm-hmm. and, the, and the water and stuff try to kill him and the disciples couldn't they couldn't they lack faith they couldn't exercise the demon out of the out of the sun and we can see how specifically this time your lack of faith caused somebody else like it ain't like a lot of times like our like we like to think of our christian journey or our salvation as something personal and and in a lot of ways it is personal but to those who do have faith and those who do believe in God and understand, like we have a duty as well to help others. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, our faith or lack thereof could impact more than just us. <clears throat> we think about Jacob, Moses, Abraham, all of these people, their families were blessed because of the faith that was shown by their by their by their parents or by them, you know. And so right now we can see Jonathan's faith is sufficient to save the entire Israelite um army especially the king um, who save all of those who lack faith, basically. That's a fact. So in um, verse 15, the panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and the raiding parties in the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Mm. Um, there was a footnote there. I just want to see if that footnote said anything like significant. Uh, Saul lookouts in Gebel, in Benjamin, saw the army melting away in all directions. Then Saul said to the men who were with him, muster the forces and see who has, who has left us. When they did, it was Jonathan and his armor bearer who were not there. So I wonder like, what Saul was thinking at this point. Did he think that Jonathan is the one causing this panic? Or was Jonathan the one, or did Jonathan and his armor bearer leave and go back home? Bro, I actually think that it was evidently clear. All right, so bro, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but watching watching the show about war and stuff like that, like it fresh on my mind. Like, mm-hmm. You you around the enemy camp, y'all y'all in probably a couple miles away from each other. Somebody keeping an eye on both sides. Y'all watching each other the whole night, day and night. We have people, we have lookouts, just making sure ain't nobody planning an ambush, right? So. Your people watching Saul's lookouts um, for 16, Saul's lookouts, they watching the Philistines and they watching long enough to decipher what's really going on because sometimes you can't tell if it's a good thing or a bad thing. We see the Philistines getting disrupted. We don't know who disrupted or what, right? Saul could have assumed God or he could have assumed someone from his people. Now, he didn't have much, man. I think he had like, I can't even remember. It was, it was like, I can't even remember. I think it's like 300 or 600. All right. All right. It was hundreds. And so they do a quick head count or they do a head count that was thorough enough to realize that only two men were missing. Mm -hmm. I feel like in Saul's mind, 
Saul was uncomfortable because his glory is being jeopardized. Right then and there, I feel like Saul saw that they was winning and there was, that was quickly identifiable. And he was like, yo, hold on now. I'm the king. There's winning happening and it's not coming through my orders and my hand. That's what Let's I think go. so too, honestly. Yeah. Because I'm like, why are you calling roll when you should be hurry up running to like, you know, take advantage of this opportunity? Yep. I think it's more so like, again, let's, let's see who, who getting the credit for this or who will be yep. credited for this. When the, hey, when the soldiers get there and see who's there, like, you know, people going to talk. You need to control the narrative so much in that day and age. Real. And that's an important thing, bro. In them days, that was important because they just make songs, all type of thing they is making. Exactly. Just, just from them war stories. And then we know that's all the character too. So again, so, so now we see he said, um, so Saul said to Isaiah, bring, bring the ark of God. At this time, it was with the Israelites. And like, again, where, where was the last time we see this? So while the Saul last. was, t- <laughs> go for it. The last time we saw this with a, was with a Hygis, father, wait, grandfather? Ancestors, no. whoever. <laughs> it's his ancestors, yeah. With, with, with Phineas and Hophni, bro. Again, That's the last word? time they do this. <laughs> Like, this should still be recent history. This like this is very recent. This was during Sam Samuel's life, bro. You understand? Samuel's still alive. He was there when this happened already. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this, y'all ain't too far removed, so y'all know better. And and that's the point I was making. What's the first order of business Saul do when he find out that the um the Israelites winning, uh, the Israelites as being represented by Jonathan are, are defeating the, the the Philistines? The first thing he do? All right, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant. This is my orders to bring the Ark of the Covenant. And we're going to defeat the Philistines with the Ark of the Covenant there because last time our ancestors do this, they lose. And I want to be, I want y'all to show you, I want to show y'all how it's done. Mm-hmm. It's, that's why I call that's why I call it stupidness because, bro, you know how much the Israelites had to go through the last time this was taken to battle and the last time this was taken by the Philistines? And, and this is... Go for it. Go finish your thought. Finish your thought. And this is when, and this is when Samuel was really established as a leader of all of Israel because Samuel prayed and they went to battle and they defeated the Philistines. This was after years and after the shame that they had already bore by taking the Ark of the, the Covenant to battle in the first place against the Philistines. And like going back to that earlier point, I think this is why it was so important that they established who this priest was. Because now we see Saul falling into the same trap where he's treating the Ark of the Covenant as an idol. As like, you're going up against the Philistines, but it's like as an idol again, because he's saying, you know, let's bring it out. It's like, it, this this our like God trophy mm-hmm. that we bring out in the battle. Yeah. We bring this up, we cannot lose because you know why? This the R. And y'all got to see this. Exactly. See how, what we wrap in. Babe. And so we see like, that's just, that's just, again, the glory has left Israel. And we see who Saul really is with. The glorious departure because now he don't even he don't even recognize or realize who God is. Go for it. But but think about that, bro. If when you're reading this verse, right? Like it don't stick out that they mentioned this person, this person, uncle and all, bro. Like, but how often I can understand you saying son of this person, that way you don't get him confused with another person who might have the same name. All right, cool. Eh? Probably mm-hmm. didn't have last names back then. All right, cool. But you telling me the man, uncle, his grandfather, all type of thing, and I just like. Why are they paying so much a tip? Like, why are they why are they hounding in so hard on this priest? And if you read the story, he only mentioned like in two verses, 
And then that's it. You don't even really hear about him. So why are why are doing such, giving him such a great introduction? And it's really to provide context on how brazen Saul was. Now, last week, before the podcast, Earl and I had a long conversation because I was telling him, bro, I feel sad for Saul, bro. It made me sad to see that Saul thought he was doing the right thing. He was doing the wrong thing, but for the right reason in his eyes. And now he got to lose his whole kingdom. And that made me sad because I like... A lot of times we might offer a sacrifice unto God that is not what God wants, but this is ignorance. Like we don't know better. Like we feel like this is, we feel like this is the right thing to do, but we might be wrong, you know? And I just, and like, to, I, I grapple with that because it like, it, it kind of tests my faith to say like, how, if, if I perceive God to be unfair, what do I do from there? Like how, how do I react from there? When it's a when, when someone can see it as an honest mistake, why God don't see it as an honest mistake? You know, because I know there are things that I do in my ignorance, and all of us do in our ignorance. But the point of the matter is that does not apply here with with the, with the um with the sacrifice with the ark of the covenant. So I'll continue to build a case as to his to show you what his nature actually is. That's why God was so severe with him when he do this one thing because it is becoming more evident and more evident. That Saul knows better, but Saul does what Saul wants to do. Saul is the king, but Saul also feels like he's the God, meaning mm-hmm. he's the king of God. Like God would have to, God would have to live with whatever I do. If God get mad that we take the Ark of the Covenant last time, I taking it this time, and, pe- and, and people gonna live with that, but we gonna win, and I gonna get the glory. That's the type of vibes I get from Saul, and it and it, it, it makes me have to kind of walk back all of the feelings that I had for Saul. Uh, had about Saul in the chapter yeah, because I was weird, right? All the feelings that I had about Saul <laughs> in the chapter before. Because I was like, man, that's so crazy, bro. Because like that made me uncomfortable. But I have to see, and that was a test of my fate. And that's where I kind of dwindled and, and didn't see it for what it was because I'm like, bro, God is righteous and he's slow to anger. If we see God act the way this way, and it seems like this one time, just just already showing us that this a long, deep rooted thing that God trying to grapple had been grappling with with this person, but he just don't he just not getting it. And now, what God do? God don't just take away. Because remember last chapter, Samuel say you're not gonna have um your your um your descendant is not gonna have be be, be the, it's not gonna be an everlasting kingdom basically. <laughs> but why why Samuel ain't just take his crown right then and there and give it to someone else. Because God gave us free will. He gave us opportunity to straighten up and he gave us opportunity to, to basically right our wrongs. You know what I'm saying? But it don't seem like Saul leading in that direction. It seemed like Saul wanted to double and triple and quadruple down in his wrongs, truthfully. I mean, because the funny thing about it too is like, to your point, like why didn't he just like, you know, take it from him immediately? Again, God's judgment is, you know, essentially final, but he still like would leave us in these positions because you still have options to like, you know, probably repent for your sins to a certain extent <laughs> to not go all bad, but he ain't saying like, you ain't going to like change God's will to a certain extent. Because let me use Moses, for example, after Moses hit the rock, when he should have, you know, speak to it, right? God said, mm-hmm. guess what? You and Aaron ain't entering the promised land, but he like God kill him right then and then. Moses is around for, for quite a while. Still are yeah. able to, you know, have all the Deuteronomy that, you know, this whole, my last word. So y'all still watch them going in and thing. Mm. But you ain't going in. And I know we so close to one of our main characters. But when it was time for him to build a certain building and he fumbled the bag, 
you know what? Yeah, you can see all the plants in front of everything, but guess what? You ain't building this. And yeah, you can stay around, you know, repent for your sins and yada, yada, yada. You know, I appreciate that. But you still got to pay these consequences. But yeah. to my point exactly, like Saulin had to like double down in his evilness. That was still a choice. Even after the sentence was pronounced, that's still a choice he was making. Because even if I could say, but you know what? I messed up. Sorry, Jonathan, you ain't going to be king no more. But let me still show you how, how to still be a man of God, even when God hands down a sentence that I might not like. Well, imagine if I, and I like to personalize the Bible and like relationships with God, because I feel like a lot of the fundamentals of any relationship, we should apply that to God. Imagine if I steal something from you, bro, or I do something that I have no right doing and, and you tell me don't do it. And I violated, bro. I shouldn't have done this thing. Let's just stick with steal. Why should mm-hmm. I steal something from you, bro? And you say, bro, honest, honestly, bro, because you steal from me, you can't come in my house no more, bro. Like never, bro. Right? And imagine instead of showing you, bro, this was a mistake. Because let's say it was truly a mistake. Like I did, you know, I know what would be the mistake for I steal from you. Let's just say it's a misunderstanding, right? Let's say I thought it was mine, really. And I just uh-huh. it, not knowing it was yours. Right. Instead of apologizing and saying like, bro, this was sincerely a mistake. Let's say I steal from you again, bro. Let's say I just steal from you again. And again, let's say I do something else stupid to keep poking your buttons, bro. You understand what I saying? Like you can forgive me, but you could just set boundaries between us. I forgive you, but bro, I cannot, I cannot be an accomplice. I cannot enable you. If I allow you to continue to stay in my house or to be around me, you're going to continue doing that. I don't mm-hmm. wish to be in that and I don't wish you to be in that. You understand? So a lot of times we can look at it as um, punishments and consequences and stuff like that. But sometimes it's God. Sometimes it's God taking our snare away from us. You understand? Like you ain't, you, you ain't going to be rewarded for the, for the misgivings or the, or the bad deeds that you do, you know? And, um, but then imagine like, just let's, let's think about our relationship to God. Like, how do you think God feel if you do wrong? No, I do wrong. Let's say the cars do wrong. I mm-hmm. sin. I, I have iniquities. And the Lord punishes me for that. Shows me the error of my ways. And I just continue to do it. Or I do a different one. Or I do a different one. How is that fixing the problem? We don't treat humans like that. And if we do, we are willfully being messed up or, or being mean or being rude to people, you know? But these are certain things that we do to God. Like if somebody, if somebody make me mad, I cursing and carrying on. Now I bring in God into it. My beef wasn't even with God. My beef was with the person who cut me off uh, when I was driving. You know what I mean? But now I, I'm mad and I arcing and enraged and I, and I doing things that, that causes me to sin. Now God have to pay the penalty because it was someone else, because what someone do to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is our relationship to God. And like, it, it, sh- it should be, it should be said that like, there's no excuse for us sinning. You know what I'm saying? It's no excuse for us to, um, I know continue to dig ourselves deeper. So even if you're not in a favorable situation, if something is being taken away from you, or if you're being punished by God, it's still an excuse for you to sin. You can't just sit there and say, Money, but God take this away anyway. I can just keep going. I can keep going. That that don't help you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that we shouldn't, we shouldn't, we should know, we should know that, but that don't help you. And I don't know if this was Saul's demeanor, but it seems like Saul was trying to outdo himself over and over and over and just continue to arouse God's anger. That's a powerful lesson in itself. 
So we were in um, verse 19. So while Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the Philistine camp increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all his men assembled and went to battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their own swords. The Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines had gone up with them to their camp, went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. So, that, so on that day, the Lord saved Israel and the battle moved beyond Beth Haven. Now the Israelites were in distress that day because Saul had bound the people under an oath saying, Cursed be anyone who eats food before evening comes, before I have avenged myself on my enemies. So none of the troops tasted food. So again, we see in Saul's character here. He's saying, cursed be anyone who eats before I, before I avenge mm. myself on my enemy. Mm. Not before we conquer this, 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 the Philistines before God. Not so God's glory can be shown to the Philistines. Not so like the Philistines go to Arab their ways for cursing God and having all these idols. No, before I have avenged myself on my enemy. So it's showing the pride in his heart, how he's exalting himself over everything, how he mm. is saying, I am the king. <laughs> so it ain't even about having a safe, having a safe town, the safety of the town, or you know, doing what's on behalf of God. This is like a, a score I gotta settle. This 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 my reputation, you understand, underline. So we ain't even fighting really for peace and all of that. We fighting to make my name great. That's exactly. the energy that that's the energy that Saul coming with. And now Saul is being kind of like what the Pharisees was doing. You putting commandments on top of commandments, right? Exactly. It ain't no thou should not eat. It ain't no when you go to war, fast, you know, in order to please God, X, Y, Z. You, somebody, like, it's like Saul manipulating y'all, but like he, he basically using God as a means to control you all to do his will, basically. Mm-hmm. I want to have y'all in check, bro. I want to make sure y'all... Do not prioritize even eating nothing, nothing over um, avenging, avenging me. Like that's your main concern, but don't even eat. <laughs> and that's crazy. And he's saying, and hold on. And then he cursing, I will put a curse on you. Exactly. You know what I mean? Cursed be the ones who do that. <laughs> and I'm like, this, I'm like, this ain't like chapter, but to me, this is almost like chapter. Like why all of a sudden we can't eat? For a battle, you considering yours, not the Lord's. And like, if you feel this way, why don't you just fast yourself? Why must mm. I be under this oath to not eating until we win this battle for you? You ain't God. And you, and again, was this even directed by God? You got a fake priest there. Why you ain't even consulting him about this thing? Right. You're just saying, hey guys, guess what? Y'all, y'all can't eat until we win. As to add some layer of extra motivation, like, oh yeah, I want to eat. So let me hurry up, get this over and done with. Glory be to Saul. I don't really care because I just want to eat. I don't even sound right, bro. I don't even sound right. We literally doing physical exercise, bro. We going to war, bro. <laughs> this ain't a regular day at the office. We going to war. Exactly. What? Now, if it's, God to tell you do it, uh-huh. different story. Different exactly. story. Because you know, God, God's God is wisdom is far infinite to us, bro. Like it's far superior to us, bro. Like you just you just saying stuff, bro. You just saying stuff like. I know. I know. And and like considering the history, like, 
right? Considering the history of kings and God and the stuff with certain empires used to try to make people do in the name of God or in the name of God, this and that and the third. That's the energy that Saul given. And Saul is the first king. Saul is the first king. So Saul making all of this up as he go. You know what I mean? But the funny thing about it, like even why this is even more like Jephthah, because remember when Jephthah made that vow and victory was already won for him, but he made this vow not even knowing that. Yeah. Saul, again, making this vow not even knowing that, bro, God's already on Jonathan's side. Like the victory is already won. So now why are you making this vow, this curse, this oath for no reason? Again, it's like, oh, same thing as exactly. Like, I'm making this oath to you. Like I'll sacrifice my daughter if we win. Oh, not my daughter. The first thing that comes with the house. Like, again, I have no idea what he's expecting to come with. That was a cow, a horse. I have no idea. Like, <laughs> Naturally, only a human being is going to come out of this house. But still, that was a wild. That was a wild oath, by the way. <laughs> that was that's the wildest oath I ever had in my life, bro. That's still that is wild. To this day. Yeah, bro. Um, and you know what? That's so interesting because, like, um, that's why I got God was adamant on saying, like, y'all do not do not do these spells and divination and things because y'all can get the sacrifice. And he said that, bro. He said, y'all can get the sacrifice in humans, sacrificing your kids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But Saul is like chapter in more ways than one. You know what I'm saying? He making oaths when the bottle is already won. And it's an interesting way of trying to keep his oaths, basically. Exactly. So when they went in the woods, they saw the honey oozing out, yet no one put his hand to his mouth because they fed the oath. Reading verse 27, but Jonathan had not heard this oath from his father that his father had bound the people with. So he reached out his hand with, he reached out the end of the staff that, that was in his hand and he dipped it into the honeycomb, raised his hand to his mouth and his, and his eyes brightened. I must give some good honey. Because there ain't no honey that would make me do that. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Remember when I was growing up, I didn't even really like honey. It's not until I got a little older, my senses get a little bit more refined and I like honey. Somebody, somebody, this restaurant dated, um, ran out of syrup and they give us honey without telling us, bro, for pancakes. But I don't know, that they ruined the whole meal, bro. But anyway, yes, I agree. I agree. And that's the only thing I think about. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but again, back in the days, you were shaking for my teeth, wasn't the honey? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, he raises he, and his, his eyes brightened so in verse 28. One of the soldiers told him, your father bound the army under strict oath saying, curses be anyone who eats food today. That is why the men are faint. Jonathan said, my father has made a trouble for the country. You see how my eyes brighten when I taste a little of this honey? How much better would it, would it have been if the men had eaten today some of the plunder they took from the enemies? Would not the slaughter of the Philistines have even been greater? Mm. That's interesting. We see Jonathan say, yes, yeah, so, so this Ocho was under hindered God's blessing. Yeah. Because we could have done so much more today if y'all actually had the strength and the will to fight. Hmm. And going back to your point, we're doing a lot of physical activity. Y'all need y'all energy and y'all ain't eat. Let's say going to sports day without eating and drinking, but you, you, you pass Mm-mm. out as soon as you finish your race. Real talk. So um, Real verse, 30, the verse 31, the next day the Israelites had struck down the Philistines from Michmash to Ajalon. They were exhausted. They pounced on the plunder and taking sheep, cattle, and calves, they butchered them on the ground and ate them together with the blood. I was literally saying, my head, I hopefully y'all cook it, but you know. Then someone said, and I shot it. I shot it. They just eat it real. <laughs> yeah, but remember, remember, and in, 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 I think it's the Levitical laws, it's like, you yeah, drain all of the blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, bing, bing, so bing, bing, someone bing. Said, oh yeah, then someone said the salt. Look, the men said, are sinning against the law by eating the meat that has blood on, blood in it. You have broken faith, he said. Roll a large stone over here at once. Then he said, go out among the men and tell them, each of you bring me your cattle and your sheep and slaughter them here and eat them. Do not sin against the Lord by eating meat with blood still in it. So again, so everyone brought his ox that night and slaughtered it there. And so then Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first time he had done this. And that's so interesting to note. So Saul mm-hmm. said, let us go down and pursue the Philistines by night and plunder them till dawn. And let us not leave one of them alive. Do whatever seems best to you, they replied. But the priests said, let us inquire of God here. So Saul asked God, shall I go down and pursue the Philistines? Will you give them into the Israel hands? But God did not answer them that day. Mm. Powerful. So now watch this, right? Yesterday, Jonathan, Jonathan gone on that mission, right? Mm-hmm. And when Saul see the mission, Saul say, wait, we ain't eating again until we destroy them. The, the whole, bro, so we had to go to sleep. We had to wake up the next day, go to war again, fight the whole war, and then we could eat. Mm-hmm. So, bro, that's at least a 24-hour fast with multiple bottles. At least. It might have been even greater than that. Almost two days of fighting. You understand? And not eating. When these men get to some food, bro. See, so they had to kill people, right? They had to ignore all of the food that they had. They had to go to sleep hungry, grouchy, head hurting. But it's hard for me to go to sleep. When I, when I fast, it's hard for me to go to sleep. It's hard for me to go to sleep when I fast. Like, I have all the energy in the world, but I don't have no food in my system. Like, I have no, like, you know, like, when you eat, when you, eat you just get a little lethargic. I have none of that in me. You mm-hmm. understand when I fast You feel me? And so you got to go through that. You got to go through that a whole next day. That's just playing in your mind. So as soon as you all see some food, as soon as they saw food, there's like, but I ain't waiting till all this blood drain out. I got to eat knock. I saw a lot of them feel like they had to die. But like a lot of people don't know how, 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 how much your body could do. Like how, like how long you can sustain without food. Like, mm-hmm. like when I used to, when I used to be doing intermittent fasting just for um, exercise purposes, I tell someone, Hey, I eat today at 12 p.m. I ain't eating again until tomorrow at 12. And then a lot of people look at me like, you're not eating tomorrow? Like, but like they like they love a panic attack. Bro, you gotta eat, you gotta eat. Like they'll freak right out because like the, the concept of not eating is 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 um is foreign to a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? But it's 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 different when you have to fast, not by choice. So you wouldn't even mentally prepare. Like you wouldn't even get like, cause me, like I just have to psych myself into that bro. Like, and, and a lot of times I fast because I had overeaten before. So I like, bro, you got to make this back up. You already mm-hmm. exceed your calories. So you got to make that back up. But it's a difference when you wake up today, you was might have say, man, I can, I can eat at 12, but then 12 come around and like, yeah, yeah, we ain't eating. We ain't eating no more until, until, what you mean until bro? <laughs> we fasting indefinitely. Until? What is this until? <laughs> Oh, what you mean? I tell, bro. Give me a time frame, bro. Because like you give me something that's so variable, bro. Like, bro, like suppose they beat us. You know what bro. I mean? What you mean? We just we just stop. So we not only fasting, but I about to actually do some a, a very strenuous activity, which is pursuing and killing people. And do that. Right. And so and so, I completely understand why they did it, but it's no excuse for sin. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
It's no excuse for that. However, Saul is um, responsible for all of this, bro. You make it hard. You 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 ensnared your your men. You understand what I'm saying? You put a stumbling block in their way for them to fall. You know what I mean? You make it easy for them to, to fall and, and sin against God. And so now what you have to do, you have to do something that you never do, bro. You realize they sin, right? And you realize you the cause. So now you gotta build an altar and like, hey, hey guys, man, let's um let's 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 atone for these sins. Let's let's make it right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so you saying after all, it's a lot going on, bro. It's a lot going on. Jonathan, by the grace of God, Jonathan had God with him. Jonathan gone and, and, and defeat a battle. We go on, we defeat, we go on to sleep, we come back, we fight again. We have all this plunder, these people sinning against God. But what on soil mind, the heaviest, bro? Let's continue. Let's continue to go and kill them. You know what I mean? And, and everybody's saying, bro, do whatever, do whatever is good to you. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the priest out there interject and be like, yo, let's ask God, bro, because we already doing a lot. And I feel like that's one of them things where it's like, that was a, that was a saving grace for the priests that they had God as their trump card to say, hey, but he could, he could stop, he could relax if we bring up God because otherwise he could keep, he could keep, he could keep working us to the bone. And he ain't no telling what other, oh, he could, he could want us to. Nobody eat for, for a week, you know what I mean? Nobody sleep until, you see what I'm saying? Like, mm. but it might not be no bounce to his, to his selfish ambition. So they asked God and God was like, bro, I ain't condoning this, bro. I am not enabling you. This ain't have nothing to do with me. Like you making it not about me. You making it about you, and I'm not. I'm not condoning that. You know, but, but when Jonathan, when Jonathan was was communicating with God, we'll know if they say come up to mm-hmm. them, and this God giving us away, and what they do, they they respond. You know, it's a it's it's a clear contrast here. Definitely. Let me tell you, like this whole chapter just contrasts the faithfulness of Jonathan and how God working, and then the absence of God's presence from Saul, and how that leads mm-hmm. to his rashness and just just lost, like a ship mm-hmm. without a, without a, without a setting, just wandering the seas aimlessly. Yeah, Saul is impulsive. So in verse thirty-eight, Saul therefore, Saul therefore said, "Come here." All you who are leaders of the army, let us find out what sin has been committed today. So we see God ain't answering. So you say, okay, you know what? I'm going to figure this out myself. Someone sinned. That's why God didn't answer. <laughs> Clearly. That's what he said. <laughs> Clearly. I surely it's the Lord who rescues Israel lives. Even if the guilt lies with my son, Jonathan, he must die. But none of them said a word. So again, mm-hmm. we see what, like Jephthah, saying something so rash and so... Mm-hmm impulsive when I'm without thinking because you because in your head you're like surely it ain't gonna be it ain't gonna be Jonathan and you know this reminds mm-hmm. me of like when Jacob was like yo even if Rachel got it she could die mm-hmm. <laughs> right not knowing that she's not the one even knowing who got exactly <laughs> the item yeah and so imagine I, I just imagine the people like the, the leads of the army they say even Jonathan go go I say nothing we can see how this one plays out. Yeah. So verse 40, Saul said to all the Israelites, you stand over there. I and Jonathan, my son, will stand over here. Do what seems best to you, they replied. <laughs> Boy, I ain't getting in that. 
I get the in nobody see, but you can see you on a bloodlust, but like you can see mm-hmm. the type of bag with soil in where ain't nobody even interject. But the only people interject, they say that's let's consult God. That's the only thing. Everything else is yeah, so let's do whatever. If it's good with you, if you like it, I love it. You know what I mean? That's what everyone's saying. Mm-hmm. Is this works for you? Sure. <laughs> we know it ain't us. Mm-mm. So where was I now? Um in verse 41, then Saul prayed to the Lord, the God of Israel, why have you not answered your servant today? If the fault is in me or my son, Jonathan, respond with Aram. But if the, if the fault is with the man of the Israel, the men of Israel are at fault, respond with something. <laughs> Too much M's in that word for me. Thummim. Thummim. Jonathan and Saul were taken by Lot. And then the men were cleared. Saul said, cast it up between me and, my, me and Jonathan, my son. And Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. So it's just interesting that since they couldn't really decipher the voice of God, well, Saul couldn't, they essentially cast lots to see. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's bring it out by casting lots. Anyway. But it, it's so interesting because, like, it's like, that was a... That was a, a, a successful method mm-hmm. of hearing from God. It's like they cast lots and they keep landing on the Benjamite trying to land on Saul. You know what I mean? Like, like the lots seemed like it was pretty accurate. Now, obviously, we know God was was um, was behind that, but that's interesting how how like it worked. You know what I mean? Like how God sanctioned that and, and He was communicating through that. Mm-hmm. Um. So Jonathan said to him, I taste a little honey at the end of my staff, and now I must die. I know that rock, Saul. Mm -hmm. Saul said, may God deal with me, be it ever so verily, if you do not die, Jonathan. And uh, and that's where he is not like Jephthah. That's where he's not like Jephthah. Jephthah was so heartbroken. Yeah. And again, again, it shows Saul's true character now because now he's saying, guess what? This glory got to be with me. And if you got me looking bad in front of everybody, you too will have to die. And exactly. Oh, we're so close to the story of, of this next guy. I can't even say, but so much things start to make sense. Now when you actually come back and read the context of the whole relationship now. Bro, I just was saying, because I never realized how self-centered Saul really was, right? So when, so when they come back from war and people singing about another king, or another warrior and not singing about him, I realized why I hurt him so bad. Like, like I pray, like, like this, bro, this honestly blow my mind because like, it makes so much sense why Saul just was spiraling, bro. He was mm-hmm. just spiraling, spiraling because everything had to be his way. And when things ain't going his way, he have, there's no limit to what he would do to try to get things back, to, to control this narrative. So now, nah, I decree that nobody should eat, right? Somebody eat. I make a, I make an oath to God, like some, like cursing the person who eat, right? And now God showing me somebody eat, somebody eat. And now he can't even turn around and say, wow, that's crazy. He can't even turn around and say, number one, Jonathan didn't know he wasn't around when, when you made this oath. So probably Jonathan wasn't bound by this oath because he literally was not even there. Exactly. He made this oath. 
You know what I'm saying? You ain't consider that at all. You saying, I say this and I stick into that. You know what I mean? And this ain't even one of them. I don't think it's one of them things where it's like, oh, the man gonna look at me as weak if I if I hold back on my oath or whatever. He like, no, I I would I my pride would be hurt if I don't show these people that I mean what I say and you know and I have this power and authority and and he telling his son, bro, he swear to God this night. He's like, bro, make God deal with me, be it ever so severely if you don't die. Man, and what's so interesting too, again, so now you're saying the reason why, and let me not even steal Lathan thunder because the man of Saul said to him, should Jonathan mm. die? He who has brought about this great deliverance in Israel? Never. Now these people talking mm. to the king now. Mm-hmm. Now nah, they saying, they say they're like, you're going too far now, bro. And they saying, guess what? As surely as the Lord lives, not a hair on his head will be will fall to the ground. For he did this today with God's help. The man mm. rescued Jonathan and he was not put to death. So we see Saul was going to kill his own son. The people say, mm-hmm. guess what? We know God with him. We know everything that happened today. God delivered Israel through him. Mm. Not you. And you talk about you could put him to death? Mm. Stop talking, fool. <laughs> they say, surely it's God. Remember, so it, 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 it really paints the contrast here again. We see in Saul swearing by God. They saying, "Guess what?" A sh-? And, and people saying, "We ain't even gonna swear." But the surely as God lives, ain't nothing happening to Jonathan. Not today. You gotta try again oh. some other time. Hmm. So we see then Saul stopped pursuing the Philistines, and they withdrew uh, withdrew to their own land. After Saul assumed role rule rule. After Saul had assumed role, like, what's going on? <laughs> After Saul had assumed so, rule over Israel, he fought against their enemies on every side. Moab, the Ammonites, Edom, the kings of Zobah, and the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he inflicted punishment on them. He fought va- va- valiantly, valiantly. valiantly and defeated the Amalekites, delivering Israel from the hands of those who had plundered them. Saul's sons were Jonathan, Ishvi, Malachishua. The name of his older daughter was Merab and the younger daughter and the, and the, and that of the younger was Michal. His wife's name was Ahonaim, daughter of Amaz, Ahimaz. The name of the commander of Saul's army was Abner, son of Ner, and Ner was Saul's uncle. Saul's father was Kish and Abner's father, Ner, were sons of Abiel. All the days of Saul, there was bitter war with the Philistines. And whenever Saul saw the mighty or brave man, he took him into his service. And this ends Samuel 14. Samuel chapter 14. A lot happened in this chapter. A lot happened in this chapter. Yeah, this was a longer chapter. And I, it, didn't, it didn't even occur to me that Saul and Abner was cousins. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, bro, it's a it's a distinct contrast between Saul and Jonathan. And at the climax of the story, it's Saul versus Jonathan and figuring out who who sinned, basically, as as it was told by God. So God pointed out it was Jonathan, it was Jonathan. But you know, that kind of made me nervous because I'm like, Saul was out of pocket for making that out. You understand what I'm saying? Jonathan, um, he he did not will knowingly sin. He did not knowingly sin. You know, and then guess what? It don't even say that he ate no more after that. 
So like after they tell him, he was like, bro, that's a stupid, that's a stupid old remake, bro. We could have, we could have been, we could have gone harder if we was, you know, Phil. But it didn't say that he continued eating or none of that. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm thinking like, why when they cast not, why it don't go to Saul? Because Saul is the one who being selfish and, and who bring the Ark of the Covenant and like, the, like this chapter showing all of the things that Saul went wrong. Did wrong. You understand what I'm saying? And so it also showing that all the things Jonathan did right. And now we have this one thing where it's like, was it right for Jonathan to eat that or not? But he had no clue. That was right. Like he literally did not know. So it was just a regular day for Jonathan, right? But the result ends up being that all of the people who was quiet and allowing Saul to freak out as much as he's freaking out, they say, bro, as surely as the Lord lives, Jonathan ain't gonna die. So guess what, bro? You making oaths in God's name, but you don't even have the authority to, to, to accomplish the oaths or the curses that you're saying because God ain't sanctioning that. He's saying, as surely as the Lord lives, whoever eats will be cursed. As surely as the Lord lives, whoever, um, Jonathan will die today. Be it, uh, let the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely if he don't. And the people respond by saying, bro, Mm-hmm. As surely as the Lord lives, Jonathan will not die, bro. This ain't like everything that was in your control, bro. You was you was managing and you was you was exercising your control. But this right here ain't in your control. And and for all those who don't know, Jonathan surely lived beyond that day. Basically, is what I'm saying. You know exactly. It, this has me thinking, man. Like again, we know. Israel wasn't really set up to have an earthly king if they had just stayed faithful to God and trust God. But now that you do have an earthly king and you're starting to see his characteristics and you're starting to see that this man is willing to sacrifice his own son. Sacrifice almost sounds too kind. He was willing to murder his own son for a foolish rod that he created. What are you starting to think about this king? Mm. Are you starting to see the error of your own ways now? Because we knew what we had. Remember, just was two chapters ago, Samuel made everyone again say if i have done you guys any wrong as your high priest as your prophet as your judge let me know let me know what have i done you guys wrong hmm. like let's have this witness between us because y'all know i didn't do anything wrong but y'all still want this earthly king not you guys have him it's what y'all ask for after hearing all the consequences of having this do you wish you could take it back because hmm. now you're seeing what this really getting into. Like now you see what you're really getting into. Off of impulse, I can't eat until I until we finish this battle. To your point, when when's the battle gonna finish? Off of impulse, when your son was bringing us to deliver, like del- helping us win this battle, because we were sitting under this palm ground tree. Who even knows if the if the actual rest of the army where they was chilling? Because they just know Saul and the and the priests. We don't know wicked children under this palm ground tree. Who knows? The rest of the army might just been chilling in the fields or something, waiting. But your son, who was directed by God, went out in faith and, and brought us his delivery. But you willing to kill him after that because of your foolish deed? I'm just thinking they having some misgivings, and I'm just wondering about us. Like some of the things that like we might ask for, that probably ain't in our best interest. And when we get it, we like, man, this ain't all it's cracked up to be. Maybe I should have waited. Maybe I should exercise some more patience. Maybe I should have consulted God, especially if it was an impulse decision. So, no, I definitely have been in those predicaments. 
Yeah, and I, and I, I we can see we can see Saul actually. He's seen his true character, and it begs the question: like, is Saul among the prophets? Like, that's mm. the question. Like that actually made me laugh when I love the book of Samuel, bro. Like this book is so interesting. This is just a flavorful book for me. This reminds me of, of Genesis, just just the different stories that's that's happening. You know what I mean? And um, I thought it was a joke. I I thought it was a joke, bro. When people say it's Saul among the prophets, I thought that was, you know, um, like when we say is is water wet? You know what I'm saying? Is 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 the sky blue? Like a rhetorical question. Like, that's kind of funny. Like when someone asks you, but they was really asking, is Saul among the prophets? Because you talking about a man who was 30 when he became king, who knows how long I passed since, um, since um, his, his you know, kingdom was established, but he had never built an altar. He had never once tried to communicate with God. He had never once tried to orchestrate um, his sins being atoned. What was his relationship with God like at all? You know what I mean? And it, and it's it's a weird it's a weird predicament because Saul was the was the best fit for a king. We know that for a fact, you know. <laughs> Excuse me. And so, and the, the, the funny thing about it, like I know, just hold your point, right? But it's like can't even say he was the best fit for the king. He was the best fit for the people thought a king should be, and that's mm-hmm. an important point to figure out too. Because now we're seeing where, and I know we're trying to wrap up, right? So forgive me, but like now we're oh, seeing because remember what Samuel told Saul. Now I'm going to choose a choose a king who is after my own heart. Mm. So you saying, so you saying the people get theirs. Exactly. It's time for the type. All right. So and all right, and that's a, a powerful point because I didn't, I, I never thought about that. So God give them exactly what they asked for. Exactly. And now y'all get y'all y'all get to live in and experience it, right? But now, now that y'all already experienced with the wrong way to do it, I can show y'all a king after God's heart. That's amazing. I never even think about that. You understand what I say? I never, I never, I never consider that. However, we get to see how Saul, in the world of all of us having tests and choices, we can see how Saul continues to make the wrong choices. And we also see the motive behind Saul. Saul is not among the prophets. Saul, as a matter of fact, he rather aligned himself with priests who could continue ungodly trends that caused their family line to be cursed and killed. These are the type of people you you instructing to do the same thing. You instructing people who, who essentially don't know better. You picking people who ain't gonna hold you accountable. Samuel just hold you accountable last chapter. We don't even hear from Samuel. Samuel, where is Samuel? Like, did you send him away? Do you talk to him? What's going on? You know what I mean? So basically, it's a it's a distinct difference between the faith of Jonathan and the lack of faith of Saul. You know, here we see one person who's just on a mission by themselves because they know it's only God that we need to be a victorious. And another person who wanted to take things into their own arm and wanted to take the glory for themselves. Saul's appetite for honor is becoming more and more apparent. It was through Jonathan's faith in God that they waged war against the Philistines. But as soon as Saul found out, he sought to take the glory for himself. Saul, 
once intimidated by the prospect of becoming king, has become more arrogant than ever. And in the quest to attain more and more power, he disobeyed and disconnected himself from the power source. But we'll talk more about Saul's disobedience on the next episode of A Breath of Fresh Air. Tonight's episode included voice acting by Ayana Albertson Gay, as well as your host, Earl Roberts and the Cars Gay. Remember to go ahead and research on your own in order to get a more firm understanding of tonight's episode. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can follow us on social media at A Breath of Fresh Air Pod on Instagram and B O F A P O D on Twitter. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next week.